You ready? Dr. Dave, would you all stand to your feet and give Dave a huge cheer as he brings the Word of God to us this morning. Legend. Come on. Thanks, Pastor Kay. Thank you, guys. Please grab a seat. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful day in church this morning, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's actually really exciting just with everything that's going on and uh, going to two services in two weeks is going to be fantastic. Uh, I believe God is doing some significant things uh, in our church. So exciting times. Uh, I'm, really, I'm actually really pumped about our theme this month, Hunger and Thirst. Uh, we were very intentional when we planned this uh, to actually create an environment where everybody in the church could be involved in pursuing the things of God. Yeah. And uh, I, I really believe that uh, I believe that God is actually starting a movement of people, uh, not just young people, but people young and old, men and women, yeah. uh, that are going to pursue the things of God and change the direction of our nation. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've really been believing that for, for probably about a year or two now, but I feel like we are in the midst of that and we are shifting as a church. I believe that we are shifting from uh, a congregation of people that turn up on a Sunday to a congregation of people that are on fire for God on Sundays and on Mondays. Yeah. And uh, I'm really just excited about, about what's going on this month. Uh, it's really encouraging to have so many of you guys on board with what we're doing as well. Uh, I've kind of, you know, just, just the last few weeks had people come up to me uh, just in the fore and going, hey, we're, we're praying and we're fasting and we're, we're involved in the worship. And so I uh, just want to encourage you guys to obviously keep going with that. And uh, with two services, hey, jump on board on the team. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a pretty awesome few months. Yeah. Uh, I want to make a quick uh, disclaimer this morning because we we're pursuing this topic and we're looking at uh, spiritual disciplines and this morning, I'm going to look at uh, prayer and fasting. Now, uh, I need to make a disclaimer because, you know, history is full of men and women that have devoted their entire lives to, to prayer and fasting. And uh, we've got about 30 minutes this morning, so we've only, we're only really going to scratch the surface. We're really only going to just sort of, it's only going to be a drop in the bucket. And so my goal this morning is not that you would leave understanding everything about prayer and fasting. You know, I, I couldn't even read out, if I started reading now, I couldn't read everything about it in the next half an hour. And so my goal this morning is that you would leave uh, hopefully informed just enough and inspired enough that you would actually be willing to say, hey, I can actually, I can actually give this a go. And uh, I, I believe that what's, that's what God is doing. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you guys. I actually want to pray for you this morning um, as we kick off. Come on, Father, I thank you that you are in the business of helping people, Lord God, that you're in the business of shifting us into, into new ways of thinking and in, into new dimensions, Father. And we just pray uh, that this morning you would release uh, wisdom and revelation from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to teach us how to shift into another gear. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was kind of an interesting topic. And so this morning I've got four questions that I want to answer. Uh, four questions. The first one is this. Uh, why do we pray and fast? Why, why do we do it? Why is it important? Uh, the second thing is, is kind of simple but also complex. It is, what is prayer? I th it's going to be interesting, but it's sort of one of those things that you go, well, that's a really easy answer. But when you look at it, you go, well, it is really easy, but it's also really complex. Uh, number three is, what, in, what is fasting? Uh, this had some really interesting conversations this week about what that is. So we're going to have a look at that. And fourth is, 
what is the what is the power of prayer and fasting? What is the power? What does it actually achieve? Uh, so, first question number one: uh, Why do we pray and fast? Why do we actually do it? Uh, if you've got your Bible, open your Bible, open your apps, and we're going to start in uh, Matthew chapter three, uh, verse sixteen. Now, just to put this verse in a little bit of context, uh, at this stage of Jesus' life, he's an adult uh, and he's about to begin his time of ministry. So people know who Jesus is, uh, but he doesn't have a following. There's not a few thousand people that are following, or following him around at this point. And uh, Jesus goes on a journey to go and find John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist is quite a notable person at this point. He's got a following. He has a group of disciples that he's teaching, and God goes to sorry Jesus goes to find John the Baptist in order to be baptized, and we pick up the story uh, in verse sixteen. It says this: When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven came, saying, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was very hungry. I think that's hilarious, actually. I feel like Matthew, like he felt the need to state the obvious, you know. It says Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. That's a great observation. Anyway, I just kind of, just kind of thought about that this morning. Uh, now, when the tempter came to him, he said... If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus comes up from the water being baptized, right? And it says that he sees the Holy Spirit descend on him, and an audible voice says to him, to everybody, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness where he prays and fasts for 40 days, at the end of which the devil tries to tempt him three times and Jesus resists him. Every time Jesus uh, resists him and he actually quotes uh, a bunch of different scriptures. It's It's a really interesting story. Now, some people read this story... And they give the devil more credit than they should. And what I mean by that is the way some people actually read this story is they go, uh, Jesus gets baptised and then the devil lures him into the desert where he tortures him and torments him for 40 days and, and Jesus somehow miraculously resists him and survives and, and escapes the wilderness, right? That's how some people read the story. But if you actually, if you actually read it, it actually says that Jesus was baptised And then he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, okay? He wasn't lured there by the devil. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And so my point is, this entire series of events is 100% orchestrated and led by the Holy Spirit, okay? So Jesus gets baptised and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to go on fast for, for 40 days and for 40 nights, And then at the end of it, the devil thinks, hey, it might be a good idea to go and try and tempt Jesus right now. And he tries to tempt him and Jesus resists him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he actually quoted scripture when he was tempted. In other words, he quoted Holy Spirit inspired scripture when the devil tried to challenge him, right? 
So the question that this begs is, if this whole series of events was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit and not by the devil, why did it have to happen that way? Have you ever thought about that? Why did, actually, why did God require Jesus to go through the process? Because it doesn't really sound like a nice thing to do. Who's putting the hand up for a 40-day fast? Anyone? You know? Come on, one person. That's good. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a tricky environment. He fasts for 40 days, and he is tempted by the devil, and this whole series of events was orchestrated by God. So he doesn't do it for no reason. He obviously does it for a purpose, and I'd like to propose this morning that even though God has all authority, he wants to release authority through you and I. Okay? In other words, prayer and fasting allows us to make a withdrawal on what God has already deposited in your account. Okay? It wasn't just the fact that Jesus had to go through these things, but Jesus didn't need authority to come straight from him. He needed authority to come from Jesus And that's why there's the process in the way it is. So just follow my thinking here with me for a second. So over here, uh, Jesus gets baptized and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So God makes a declaration saying, hey, everybody, this is Jesus. He's my son. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, all right, where he prays and fasts for 40 days. Okay, that's that's the middle of the story. And then the end of the story is at the end of 40 days, the devil comes and he actually asks this question in in the scripture. It says, uh, are you really the son of God? He says, he actually says, if you are the son of God, why don't you just turn these these stones into bread and you can actually just go and eat. And Jesus responds and he he actually quotes scripture and he basically says, I'm actually not the son of man, I'm the son of God because I don't work the way that you think I do and I resist the things that you tempt me with. Now, At what point did God give authority to Jesus? He gave it over there, didn't he? He gave it over there when he got baptized and he said, this is my son. Now, where did Jesus demonstrate authority? He demonstrated it here when he was tempted and he demonstrated his authority as a son. And what was in the middle? (laughs) Prayer and fasting. Okay. Prayer and fasting allows us to make a withdrawal on what God has deposited in your account. Do you remember life before ATMs and FPOS? You actually remember, there's a few of you guys that won't remember this. Have you, you remember what it was like when you used to have to go to a bank to go and actually make a withdrawal on your bank account? It was, it, it was fun times. I remember being like a really little kid and going with my mum. Anyway, you used to have to go to like the little, you'd go to the desk and you'd get a withdrawal slip and you'd fill all your details in. This is when you remembered stuff. And uh, you'd put your account down and uh, you'd write down how much money. And then you'd go and line up, okay? You'd go and line up at the, in the line and there was always like 10 booths, right, at the bank, but only two of them were open. Yes. You know? So you'd get there and you'd have your little slip and I was so excited. So you got 10 booths and two of them are open, so you'd go and stand there in line and you'd have to wait and there's always like 10 people in line and then you get to the end and you give the lady your slip and she'd look at it and she'd get the details and she'd get the stamp out and she'd stamp sides and give you one and then she'd give you your money. You know what I mean? And we have a whole generation of people now that will probably never experience that. Like my, my kids will probably never go to the bank and line up in order to go and make a withdrawal from their account. Imagine what it would be like for, some, like for my kids if... Someone deposited a million dollars in their bank account, but they didn't have a bank card. 
and they actually had to go to the bank and they didn't know how to do it. They could have a million dollars in their bank account and they would never know how to access the money that was in their account. Okay? You imagine how sad that would be if someone went through life with a million bucks in the bank and yet didn't know how to access it. And yet that's how a lot of Christians often live their life. You know, God has deposited everything that you are ever going to need for life in your spiritual bank account. And so the question isn't what do we do or how much have we got in the account. The question is how much can you withdraw in the life that God's given us. And the tool that he's given us to go and stand in line and fill the form out is prayer and fasting. Okay? It's not the only way, but it's one of them. Uh, uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. I just, I really love this. I thought I almost got hijacked this morning by Pastor Kerry, but it was a few verses before. Uh, It says this, uh, For his divine power has bestowed upon us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and for godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everything that God is going to do for you, he already did at the cross. Okay? Every blessing that you need, every resource that you need, God has already given to you. So it's not a case of, you know, is he going to do it? It's a case of, are we going to be disciplined enough to believe for what God's given us and actually try and make a withdrawal on what's in our account? Uh, Number two, what is prayer? Uh, A really well-known passage that you guys are probably familiar with uh, is called the Lord's Prayer. It's in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 2. And uh, I, I was kind of, I was brought up on this, on the Lord's Prayer. Like I went to a, uh, I went to a church, and for some reason, I things managed to stick with me, and a lot of stuff I forgot. But for some reason, I always remember doing the Lord's Prayer at some point. I don't know whether it was in a service or in kids' church, but we learnt the Lord's Prayer. Anyway, a lot of people know it, and some people go and recite it. Uh, and I feel like it's now one of those things where we've gone, people got really religious about it, and so we've kind of put it on the, on the back burner, you know? But it's actually really significant. I would say it's probably one of the most significant passages of Scripture in the New Testament, okay? Probably one of the most significant insights as to how Jesus lives his life is actually in the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter, chapter 11. So I'm just going to quickly read a few verses to you, and there's a few things I want to try and highlight uh, it kicks off in, uh, in Luke 11, verse 1, and it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, that when he had ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also has taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, pray like this. My version actually says, When you pray, say this. Now, I just want to pause there for a second, because it's really important to understand the context and the culture of what is actually going on, all right? So Jesus is praying, his disciples stop him and they say, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, okay, well, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Now, my point is, this was a group of a dozen Jewish men who had watched Jesus pray and said, will you teach us how to pray? Because for them, prayer was culturally normal, okay? Have you ever thought about that? So Jewish men would get up and they would pray three times a day. They would pray in the morning, they would pray in the afternoon, and they would pray in the evening. Now, I went and did a bit of research, and most Jewish people actually pray in a specific way. So they will actually go and put on a specific outfit, they will pray at the same time of the day, okay? They'll go and put some music on, and they'll actually have a prayer book. There's actually a book of prayers that they have, and that they will actually go and pray out of a prayer book three times a day. Now, we don't live in this culture anymore, and I want to be really clear about that. I mean, 
the example that kind of I thought of just this week is, you know, it would be pretty, pretty common if someone in your workplace went to your boss and said, hey boss, I'm a smoker, um, you know, every two hours I need to go and have a smoke, and your boss would probably go, yeah, it's pretty normal. You imagine what it'd be like if you went to your boss and you said, boss, um, I'm a Christian, and so every two hours I need to go outside and pray. Like, it'd be a bit strange, wouldn't it? I reckon your boss would probably look at you, because he's probably never heard that. No one's ever actually said that to him before. But we have to understand that the context is different and the culture is different then as it is to now. Now, that being said, I believe that we need to be a people of prayer, okay? So I'm not suggesting that you need to go and say that to your boss, but if you can find time in the day, we need to be diligent to find time to pray, all right? Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, you know, I'll pray in the car on the way to work, you know? I'll pray at night because my wife always falls asleep at like 8.30, so I've got plenty of time on my hands. So... You know, but whatever it is and whatever it looks like for you, I want to encourage you this morning to be dedicated to becoming people of prayer, all right? There's no point with Jesus teaching us how to pray if we can't be diligent in praying, all right? So we need to understand how to do it, but we need to actually commit to actually doing it. Uh, And then we pick it up in verse chapter 2, and the rest of it goes like this. You would probably know it well. Uh, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive anyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think um, Jesus obviously learned something there because we just read that Jesus had been led by the Holy Spirit and was tempted by the devil. And the last verse, the last passage of that scripture says, and don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. So Jesus obviously learned something along the process, all right? But I love the Lord's Prayer for a bunch of reasons. One of the things is that it's relevant to so many situations that we're going to face in our day-to-day life. It actually says in there, you know, it it actually honours God. You know, it starts by saying, our Father is in heaven, let let your name be made holy. There is not a time in our lives where we don't need to honour God for the fact that he is holy and that he is righteous. So it, it honours God. Um, it covers our need for resource. Uh, it says in there, hey, look, Father, we need resource. Give us this day our daily bread. I think it's interesting it doesn't say in there, give us our week's worth of bread today. It actually says, give us today our bread for today because it assumes that tomorrow when you'll wake up, you're going to pray again. So you worry about the bread for today and then tomorrow morning when you wake up, you can pray for bread again. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it covers the fact that we are, we're human and that we make mistakes. You know, it says, forgive us for our sins. Jesus is aware. He doesn't intend that you're going to sin, but he's aware of the fact it might happen. So he covers the fact and says, hey, God, forgive us. And also help us to forgive people that sin against us because he understands as people that we're in relationship. Okay? So it empowers you to forgive the people that you live life with. Uh, but the main point I want to focus on that is the second, the second line where it says... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now remember this, God wants to demonstrate authority through us, okay? He could come down and and end it all tomorrow, but he wants to release power and authority through you. So that's why he actually says in in the Lord's Prayer, Father, let your name be made holy, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because he's having you participate in establishing authority in the earth. Uh, Think of it this way. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that God spoke and there was light. In other words, what God spoke came into existence 
and it says that the Holy Spirit was there fulfilling the work of creation. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering, and when God spoke, the Holy Spirit acted, right? Now, in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, John actually has this revelation, and he says, in the beginning was the Word, okay, and the Word was with us, and the Word became flesh. In other words, the Word became Jesus and dealt with us, and dwelt with us, sorry. So the picture that he points is that God was at creation and he spoke the word, which was Jesus. And so Jesus went out and authorized the Holy Spirit to create. Okay? You getting the picture? So God speaks, Jesus goes and empowers and gives the Holy Spirit his commission and says, you go and create something. Now, what happens when you get saved? Okay? The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, all right? So when you made a decision to become a Jesus follower, okay, God said, I love you and I want you to do this. And so then he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross so that we could be empowered by the Holy Spirit, okay? So when we speak in the same way that Jesus created when he spoke, we are actually empowered to create worlds with the prayers that we speak, yeah. Yeah. all right? So prayer is the process where we create the atmosphere through speaking the word of God, okay? Remember, God wants to release authority through us. Now, when I was a, when I was a young man, I had someone say to me very simply, you know, prayer is just you talking to God. And I feel like that probably undersold it to me a little bit because I kind of thought, well, that was great. And that lasted maybe a year or so. And I was like, I can just talk to God. And prayer is that as well. I don't want to try and diminish that in any way. But I feel like he undersold it to me because he probably should have told me, hey, prayer is talking to God, but prayer is also creating atmospheres and creating futures by the words that you speak. Okay? So prayer isn't just about sitting down. And if you don't know what to pray, I would encourage you, pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, if you don't know how to pray in a situation, just get it out and go, okay, what do I pray? Our Father who is in heaven, let your name be made holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. The difference isn't in the words that you speak, but the difference is, are you bold enough to believe that God will create through what you speak? Okay. So prayer isn't just about having a conversation. It's just not about going through some sort of, some sort of Christian ritual, but we actually need to speak and release authority in what we pray and be bold enough to have faith and believe for it. Yeah. That's what we say when we, when we pray together as a church. Will you extend your faith? Okay? You can pray without faith. We, we always want you to pray out loud and believe with us that God can be the God of breakthrough. You good with that? Yeah. Number three. <laughs> what is fasting? Uh, so interesting this week having a lot of conversations with people that are fasting and the different ways that they're going about it. Um, I, it actually kind of forced me this week to go through and read a bunch of scriptures about fasting and sort of just go through what I knew and what I understood about it. Um, funnily enough, uh, there's only really two things that the Bible talks about fasting. One is food and the other is sex. Now, no one's come up to me this week and, and offered this and said, hey, we're going to fast sex this week. So it's a little bit unpopular, but uh, hey, look, Go and read it. There's only two things. It says food and it says sex. So, you know, that's, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that with you guys, all right? I'll, le- <laughs> I'll leave that with you. Um, 
But what is it? Fasting, I want to try and put it really simply. Fasting is weakening yourself in order to strengthen your connection with God. Okay? Think back to the story of Jesus going into the wilderness. He actually specifically went out of his way. He was led by the Holy Spirit to pray and to fast for 40 days. It says there that he was really hungry. Uh, in order to strengthen his connection with God, he went through the process of fasting so that he could become strong in the authority that God had given him. Okay? And that when he was tempted by the devil, devil he was actually able to resist it. Um, I think one of the most important things when we talk about fasting, because I've had so many uh, people say, look, I'm fasting television or I'm fasting social media. And even though the Bible doesn't specifically say anything, because obviously it wasn't going to put in there, there's no clause in there going, by the way, it's a good idea to fast Facebook for a month. All right? But the important thing I want to point out is, however you're doing it, whatever it is that you're doing, the important thing is seek God during your time of fasting. Okay? Actually go, however I'm doing it, whatever I'm doing, I actually want to seek God. Uh, there's a story in uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 33, where the disciples come and ask Jesus about fasting. And he's obviously experienced in it. Uh, and it says, uh, Then they said to him, Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Okay? So the disciples have come to him and they've gone, the, the disciples of John the Baptist, they're known for prayer and fasting, and yet we never fa- you guys never fast. You guys are always having a celebration. You're always eating and drinking. Why is that? And Jesus responds and he says, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the groom is still with them? In other words, can you, can you, do you need your friends to fast when someone's still right in front of you? And then he says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you don't, right now, John's disciples are fasting because they believe it's the right thing to do and he doesn't dishonor that. He goes, that's fine. But he says, you don't need to fast right now because you have me with you. Okay? I'm I'm having dinner with you guys. It's not a big deal. But the day is going to come when I've left and in those days, you'll need to fast. Okay? So we need to fast, just like Jesus taught, so that we can actually increase and strengthen our relationship with Jesus. All right? That's why we actually do it. Now, how you do it, uh, there's a bunch of different uh, fasts that are mentioned in the Bible. And like I said earlier, I'm not really too phased about how you want to get on board. Okay? Uh, There's probably three or four of the ones that jump out to me. Some people go on a, some people fast food. Okay, so that doesn't mean fast food as in go and get McDonald's, but that means fast food, okay, as in not eat it. So some people go no food. Some people go no food and no water. Some people go uh, like a Daniel fast or a partial fast. So they go maybe they're going to they're gonna fast one meal during the week or maybe they're going to go and do, obviously there's a story in the book of Daniel where Daniel goes, I'm going to eat a specific diet. So he takes out all the fun stuff, you know, like meat, you know. <laughs> Right? And he goes, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm just going to eat fruit and vegetables for a few months. Uh, I, for me, I find that really hard because I like meat. I don't know that means that I'm a bit of a guy, right? I'm seeing you guys are, you guys are nodding. I know what's going on. You know, if my wife gives me a salad, I'm like, where's a steak? You know, I feel like they need to go together. All right? uh, but you can do that. You can do a partial fast. You can do a full fast. I'm not really two-phased. You can fast Facebook. 
um, I'd probably encourage you to fast food as well. <laughs> like if your starting point is I'm not going to go on, on social media for, for a week, that's awesome. Get started there. And then when you're done, progress to food. You know what I mean? Like start out with, start out with the simple stuff. Uh, which may or not be simple for you, and then actually build yourself up to the things that are more difficult. But however you do it, I don't really mind. Just get on board. <laughs> however you want to do it, the most important thing is you actually are willing and, and forward-thinking enough to go, I'm going to purposefully weaken myself so that God can be made strong through me. Okay? Man, fast coffee. Whew. It's hard, especially when Cam makes a coffee. Got a lot of, got a lot of skills, that guy. Yeah. Number four, uh, what is the power? <laughs> what is the power of prayer and fasting? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land the ship here. Uh, I really believe that God is creating a movement of people that will shift the direction of this nation. People that are passionate about the things of God and, and not just about prayer and fasting, but about prayer and fasting also. You know, we're doing, uh, there's about 12 disciplines that we're actually covering this, this month. Uh, and I believe that God's creating people that are passionate about, not just a few of them, but people that are passionate about all of them. People that are passionate about prayer and fasting, that are passionate about scripture, about sharing the word, about repentance, about worship. You know, I, I really believe that that there is a shift coming in the church. And I, I strongly feel that in, in what's going on in, in the, in, within City Point. And I really feel that there is such uh, a number of people that are turning up to go, we might have been at church for some time, but we're going to start becoming the church. Okay? And I believe that there is actually significant power in prayer and fasting. Uh, one of the most significant scriptures for my life is, uh, is Joel chapter 2. Uh, verse 15. I just want to read it to you quickly. Joel is a prophet and he is speaking to the nation of Israel and he's calling them back to say, we need to be passionate followers of God. We need to get away from being half-hearted. We need to get away from being slack and we need to jump on board and be disciplined and we need to be passionate about it, following the things of God. And he says this, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, get the children together, gather the children and the nursing babies, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. In other words, let him, let him leave what he's doing and come. Uh, and the bride from her dressing room, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let him say, Father, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over us. I feel like that's a very specific verse and we are in that moment right now. And so it's no coincidence that we're talking about hunger and thirst because this is what we're doing. We're blowing the trumpet, okay? We're blowing the trumpet and we're going, hey, let's call a fast. Let's call a gathering. Let's call a church service. Hey, we're going we're gonna to have church. Hey, pray all week. Pray, fast, read the word. Because, hey, we're sounding the siren and you guys come to church on Sunday because we're going to believe that the destiny of a nation could be shifted by a group of passionate Jesus followers that are committed to living disciplined lives. Okay? The power of prayer and fasting is a group of people in conjunction with everything else that we're talking about this month going, 
we are on board. We are committed. We will not be deterred. And we understand that you want to release authority through us. And I'll go as far as you want me to go and do whatever you need me to do in order for that situation to come to pass. Father, his, his prayer was this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? And that's what we're doing all month, but all year. <laughs> we're, going to call it, we're going to call a fast. We're doing it now. We might call another one in June. We might call another one in September. Because this is the passion is we want to influence our world for good and for God. The question is, are you going to be on board? I, uh, <laughs> I just had a few examples that I wrote down this week. Uh, people that probably you would never have heard of. Uh, but probably some of the more inspiring people uh, that are alive around the world. There's a guy by the name of Lou Engel. Um, he's, from, he's from the US. Uh, he believes that the destiny of the, the American nation, the destiny of American people can be shifted by corporate prayer meetings. And so in, uh, in the year 2000, he called a prayer meeting in uh, Washington, D.C. And um, the guy started something by himself and said, we're going to do this. We're going to believe for a 24-hour prayer meeting in Washington, D.C., uh, 100,000 people turned up. And so he's been running this movement called The Call now for about uh, 18 years. And I think there's something like over, over like 1.2 million people have turned up at their corporate events for 24 hours to pray and believe that a nation could be shifted by people that are passionate about the things of God. You know, there's a guy, <laughs> I think this is awesome. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Mike Bickle uh, who lives in Kansas. You've probably never heard of him. Uh, Mike Bickle traveled as a young man to, uh, to Jerusalem and studied the Temple of David and worked out that there was uh, a time where the priests ministered to David, uh, sorry, the priests ministered to God 24 hours a day. And this was like a significant period of, of David's reign when he was king. And he said, I think we need that in our nation. And so in, uh, in, in October in 1999, he started a place in Kansas called the International House of Prayer. And they started a 24-hour, seven days a week uh, prayer and worship service. O October 1999. All right. It's, uh, it's the 21st of January 2018. So they've been having a 19-year prayer and worship service. Think about that. 24, 24 hours a day seven days a week for 19 years. How awesome is that? Why? Because there are people out there that are bold enough to believe that they could shift the destiny of a nation by being passionate followers of Jesus. And so I want to pray for you this morning. If you'd like to close your eyes and bow your heads. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy passionate people that want to follow Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. Uh, if you feel like, for whatever reason, maybe you've just been going through the motions, that you believe in Jesus, that you're a Christian, and you just go, I need to actually toughen up and get on board with this. I want to pray for you this morning. So I just want to quickly raise your hand. If, you, if you're saying, not, not to say, I'd, I've never been here before and I, I want to respond to Jesus, but if you're a Christian and you say, hey, I want to step it up a gear and I'm committed to actually pursuing the things of God, I just quickly want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Hey, thank you, guys. Father, I thank you for this 
group of men and women, Lord God, that have committed this morning to pursuing the things of God in, in greater endeavour. And Father, I pray this morning that you would release a grace and favour, Lord God. I pray that you would release such a passion for the things of God that it would shift, that they would look back on today and go, today was the day that we made a decision to shift into the next gear and that they would be passionate in reading the Word of God, that they would be passionate in worship, that they would be passionate in prayer and in fasting and pursuing the kingdom of God being established in this nation. Father, I prophesy that they would be men and women of a great movement, Lord God, that would shift in the lives of people and the lives of our nation. Come on. And I also want to extend an opportunity here for anybody who uh, has never made a decision to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's your first time at church. Uh, maybe you've been here a few times but never actually committed to making a decision. Uh, but I want to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you. You know, John 3.16 says that because God loved you so much, He sent His Son to die on the cross so that you could be part of our family. And so maybe you turned up and you've got issues in your life. Maybe you're at the, uh, at the end of your rope and you go, I need to make a decision to do something different. I want to have an opportunity for you to go, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, I'd just love for you to quickly raise your hand so I can pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Come on. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. Come on. Amen. Father, I thank you for these bold people that are willing to make a decision to go, I want to follow Jesus. And Father, we honour that this morning. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to bless them and to guide them, Lord God, in the things of Jesus. I pray that you would bless them with favour and with wisdom, Lord God. I pray that you would encounter them this week and help them start to walk out the journey of repentance and belief in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give those guys a great round of applause.